0: Welcome everybody to All About Symbian, Insight podcast number 240 on a sweltering day in the UK with all the windows open. So if you hear lawnmowers at Rafe's End and traffic at my end, there we go, that's your lot. Uh, Wednesday the 17th of July 2013, I'm Steve Litchfield and with me my co-host, Rick Manford. Hello everybody. Yes, it's been almost a month since our last uh, Symbian
1: podcast. There's been quite a lot of other things going on in the mobile world but i think the symbian world it's fair to say as we predicted in previous podcasts is getting a little bit quieter but still quite a few
0: things for us to get through uh, on this particular episode isn't there steve Well, stuff I'd like to talk about, certainly. Um, Before we go anywhere, though, I think we should just uh, mention the fact that you've been somewhere. You've been to New York. And just for people who haven't already heard our companion all about Windows Phone podcast, and I'm going to restrict you here to 120 seconds, to two minutes. uh, Why did you go to New York? What was launched? And uh, how, how excited were you? Well, I was in New
1: York for the launch of the Nokia Lumia 1020. This is a new imaging flagship for Nokia. And I think the easiest way to explain it in the Symbian context is that it's an updated version of the Nokia 808 PureView, uh, but obviously running Windows Phone. It uses many of the same concepts, things like a really big sensor and then oversampling seven pixels into one. Actually, it's obviously more complicated than that, and kind of the idea of zooming by using the big sensor and uh, using the middle of it when you zoom in and all those kind of attributes that we had with the 808 but they've put it into the uh, say it's a lumia 1020 obviously people have been expecting this for a while you know right back when nokia launched the 808 PO View, they said that you know they're going to use it on future devices and obviously after february 11th you know that was always going to be windows phone i think probably the excitement around this is a little more because the 808, I think even the most ardent Symbian fan would admit that it's something of a niche device. And this 1020 is more of a mainstream device, fits in with uh, Nokia's portfolio quite naturally. Uh, I think for the Symbian user, they'll be interested in, in what's new and what's different about this device. Yeah. Well, the kind of the big one for me was optical image stabilization. And you know, we refer to PureView 808 as kind of PureView Stage 1. Uh, and PureView stage two was the 920, which introduced optical image stabilization. The 1020 combines both technologies together and actually the camera module is completely re-engineered for this new device. It's not like they've just taken the 808 camera and put it in a Windows phone device. This is something uh, completely new and that's reflected in, you know, some of the hardware that's changed. It's actually physically the sensors slightly smaller on the 1020 but it is backside illuminated so in terms of its light gathering capabilities i'd expect it to be similar to the 808 uh the xenon flash has changed slightly it's actually slightly less powerful um, but it's in a much thinner device and i think that's probably the big thing um you know when you compare the 808 and the 1020 in the hand uh, you know The 808 feels like a camera-first device, whereas the 1020 makes far fewer compromises. I mean, Nokia talked about it being a smartphone without compromises to have the great camera. I think there still is, because there is a camera hump on the back, Uh, but the design is much more in keeping with the Lumia line. It's It's the 920 with a small camera hump on the back, and so I think that makes it really attractive. There's obviously some changes on the software side. There's a different approach to you know, how you do the camera UI. I think the 808 was, you know, a pro user's dream. You know, a lot of settings you could change, but the decisions were really about making, you know, what settings you wanted to change before you took the picture. With the 1020, there's a subtle shift to make it, I think, a, a bit more accessible, a bit more mainstream. You've still got those settings to play with, and it's a different way of doing the UI, actually. It's a kind of a circular based on a thumb, and I think it works really well. And I'd say it's an improvement over the 808. But there's also this idea of dual capture, so it will capture both a kind of a pure view, a 5-megapixel image, and a full-resolution image at the same time. You can then zoom out, crop it, reframe it afterwards, and it's done in a very friendly way in the UI. So that's an improvement. There's also a lot of updates in the software in terms of the processing algorithms. There's this true color, as Nokia referred to it as, I think what that means is actually there's a bit more processing done on the colors. The 808 always felt, to me, very natural. I think some people refer to that as muted or kind of quite quiet. Um, there does tend to be a, ten- a trend in the smartphone industry to make these kind of more vibrant colors, and the 1020 follows that. But there's also improvements in the oversampling algorithms and in all sorts of other places. So you know, the question that's obviously going to get asked, Steve, is, is the 808 better than the 1020? Uh, Have you got an answer for that, you know, from your outside view, accepting the fact we're going to have to wait until we can try it out for ourselves?
0: (laughs) I would argue that it's going to be a very, very tough call. I would, everything inside me in terms of the physics and the purist inside me says that the 808 will take slightly better um, results because of the, the larger sensor, the larger optics, and the fact that you've got perhaps finer control most of the time. Um but having said that there 's so much flexibility in the software in terms of the Windows phone implementation, and the device is slimmer and it will get a much more mainstream promotion so many more people will use it it 'll get improved more and it's quite it 's got a future proof life ahead of it So <laughs> it 's a tough call G- give the two two devices in front of me. I would actually take the eight to eight right now, but that 's me with purely with mm-hmm. my all about Symbian, my all about Symbian power user hat. I absolutely accept that if you say, "Steve, which would you take?" uses your camera phone you know your camera flagship the next five years and rolling into all of that acceptance and updates and support then of course i go with the 1020 and but really i want to own both Rafe, and i will own both (laughs) come hell or high water
1: (laughs) yeah no i mean it's true i would probably choose the 1020 i think i've said on this podcast before i'm using windows phone really as my main device um but you're right it's going to be a hard call i would actually say that the presence of that bsi in the in the sensor will probably make the difference together with the, the new software processing algorithms. There's also some extras that the the xenon flash, for example, is used better as a fill-in flash. And it's those kind of improvements which are harder to quantify, plus some of the changes in the optics, for example, there's an extra lens element. You know, By the time you add everything together, I actually expect the 1020 to be quite a step forward from the 808 but let's accept that there's going to be you know some work to still be done on that we'll, we'll have to kind of wait and see i mean i tried to do some comparisons when i was in new york and you know some early indications was maybe the 1020 had a little bit more noise in some cases perhaps indicative of this you know uh the, the, the pixel size and the actual slightly smaller size of the CMOS sensor but that's also about you know the choices you make in the processing and it may have slightly less aggressive noise filtering yeah. which you'd kind of expect with updated software algorithms so I think some of that's going to be subjective. I think probably the critical thing will be as I said there's this sense of slightly more vibrant colors. And I think that's going to make most people think that it produces better pictures because there does to be a tendency to like these, you know, it's referred to as Kodak colors in the past. uh, And particularly in the Asian markets, you know that over-processed look is quite popular and Samsung I think go to almost a ridiculous extent with that uh-huh. the eight was almost too much the other way and uh, Nokia's been somewhere in the middle in some of the more recent Windows phone devices if you've been on the Symbian devices you probably had the more natural feeling processing but uh, that that's a tricky question to answer in itself um, and as you said I think actually the thing that will make the difference is it's part of a you know, a platform that's obviously got an ongoing future, and we can expect to see a lot of apps. Some of those were already announced at the event. They've got a competition going on, and so where the 808, you know, was left a bit orphaned, really, by Nokia, I think the 1020 is going to get a lot more support. It's going to be, you know, ranged yeah. by more operators. It's going to be more widely available. Uh, but one thing I will say is, it was notable that all the people who are most excited about the uh, 1020 also had an 808 in their back pocket. And I've never seen so many uh, 808 or Symbian devices in one place in America at the same time. I think in a, there was a specialist session for this camera and a good half of the audience of about 40 people had an 808 around. And it was actually probably one of the most common uh, Nokia devices to see. You saw a lot of 925s and 920s as well. Um, and this is non-Nokia people. Of course, the Nokia people all had 1020s. Uh, and just as it was at the 808 launch, You know, I think the journalists and media were really impressed by the technology achievement. You know, for Symbian users, don't really need to explain that. But it was, I think, a surprise for others, you know, and it really is an impressive achievement. And getting the 808 and squashing it down into 10 millimeters and a lighter weight, I mean, it's definitely a a step forward. So although this is a Symbian podcast, I think it's worth talking about that because for an awful lot of users, I think the 1020 is going to be the device that makes them upgrade from Symbian Because it's, you know, this bit of Nokia innovation that you can't get anywhere else, uh, together with the updates we've had recently for Windows Phone, makes it a pretty compelling proposition. And my bet on the side is that's a device that probably makes you use Windows Phone as your daily driver, Uh, still having Symbian in your back pocket.
0: Indeed. I'm certainly waiting for the just GDR2 and Nokia Amber update. So see, they are all about Windows Phone podcasts and site for more on all that. One, well, a couple of brief points before we move on, Rafe. One is that the image samples they've released so far for the 1020 are presumably from prototypes with prototype firmware, and people have been criticizing it. It's really not fair to compare the 808 images with the 1020 until we have both of them both retail, in our hands, and we can try them for ourselves. And until then, I won't really be drawn. And also to say that the um, the optical image stabilisation, I think that may actually have a big effect. A lot of people, especially with the eight, now not perhaps myself, but other people who are really used to camera phones, we know how to hold a phone steady. We know how to brace it and press the shutter smoothly. Um, a lot of people would get the 808, it's a great camera phone, they just great out, snap, 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 of course they're not careful, and they do end up with blur and this optical image stabilisation, which was a, a bit of a hit on the 920, despite the other limitations of the phone's camera. Um, we didn't think they could possibly put that together with the big pure view system, but they seem to have managed it, albeit using ball bearings and a different mechanism, but they have managed it, so your average user, <coughs> you and Spence, uh, <laughs> will, will be able to just pick up the 1020, just mash the shutter button down without taking too much care, and the the OIS will actually take care of any shake and I think that's a a, a real step forward for the mass market it, it is and it's worth you know emphasizing that because I remember when the 808 came
1: out you know it was kind of feeling like a pro camera user. And I think some people who just use it as a happy snap camera were almost a bit disappointed. Yeah. The 1020 goes more towards that mass consumer audience, but doesn't really give anything away from the pro, for the pro use. In fact, there's some things that sort are of better, you know, you can set longer exposure times. I think it's up to four seconds on the 1020 versus about 2.4 seconds yeah. on the 808. So that means you can do some interesting thing with night shots and light trails and that kind of thing. So that'll be really interesting to explore as all that also applies to ISO levels and some other elements of the settings as well Uh, and also the accessibility of those settings being able to change them quickly and see the real-time effects on the screen which is what you get in this new pro camera application I think is really interesting and and just to reinforce what you said about sample images uh, the 808 actually went through a couple of software revisions and so the images and the algorithms were tweaked Uh, I can actually remember when the 808 you know the prototype devices there was actually a bit of disappointment around some of the images it was producing and it did actually improve with software updates and i'm sure the same will apply to the 1020 it's kind of true of any camera phone now i guess that kind of one of the things you get about rushing these things out into development and you know they kind of have to collect data and it takes a while to to perfect it and so you know the most accurate comparison would really be you know comparing it maybe after its first update but that said I, i actually think the 1020 will probably win hearts and mind when it comes out Uh, on a technical comparison you're probably right it may be quite close Uh, but i think the 1020 will have an advantage in that it'll be able to take pictures in a greater range of circumstances another example of this is the way macro it will now be 10 centimeters closeness to an object versus 15 centimeters and ois kind of opens up a, a different type of low light photography you know just as the 920 kind of has this almost false low light and it can see better than you can it gets these you know puts extra light it feels like into the image you know, the eight was really about the xenon flash you know, with optical image stabilisation the 1020 has both uh, I think that's interesting and as you say this OIS as the mass consumer thing I don't think you can really underestimate that because I've taken plenty of 808 images myself, despite knowing I have to keep it still, that we're just a little bit blurred and just spoiling them. And Mm -hmm. OIS should, you know, fix that problem. And, you know, the need to use a tripod will go away. Um, And I think even the most dedicated users only use tripod on occasions. Uh, I, I know you sometimes do with the 808, but in general usage, are you sort of tripod free, Steve?
0: Uh, absolutely, and uh, that's one of the reasons why I was so excited and so relieved, actually, to see OIS in this new camera. I said for ages that um, t- t- they talk about OIS manipulating the whole optical assembly, by which they mean the whole system of, in this case, six lenses. Um, and that, as you saw from your um, your photographs of the cutaway of the actual componentry in the 1020, and indeed the Pure PureView's, eight oh 808's camera back in the day, these are quite sizable lenses i mean they 're talking about a good centimeter across, which is very large for a camera phone lens and, and this system of six lenses pull it, you know, pulling it backwards and forwards at up to five hundred times a second in, in, in response to gyroscope um, detection that takes some doing and I was, I was kind of prepared to be disappointed they wouldn 't get OIS into this next generation device, but they have actually, as you say, managed to mi- um, merge the two two pure view technologies seemingly quite successfully so i'm looking forward to it that's right and it's you know there's actually other impressive
1: achievements the 808 had a dedicated imaging chip that's not the case with the 1020 they're doing it all on the snapdragon processor that's actually almost as impressive as putting ois in um, especially when you consider that this processor previously was really only rated up to 20 megapixels so i think it's also a sign that uh, nokia's kind of software engineering has really matured on windows phone and they're able to do things that previously were only possible on Symbian. And honestly i take that as an encouraging sign the one other thing i wanted to mention was the accessory they've got with it which is a, a camera grip and i really wish they'd done something like this for the eight, and effectively what it is it's kind of a custom slide on cover stroke case and yet it's got an extra 1000 milliamp hour battery in it that's a clever idea it also puts a, a tripod mounting point on the bottom and does another shutter button and it gives this grip so it becomes more like a kind of slr camera one of these big point shoots that has a chunk on the right hand end for making it easy to hold things and that makes it easy to hold things still but also kind of do shooting uh you know and it kind of reinforces this message that it's a camera device as well but you take it out again and it becomes kind of a traditional thin smartphone i thought that was very clever and compared to kind of the 808 which got a, a kind of a rubber clip on tripod attachment i definitely think it's a better approach
0: yeah just a one final point about that the image sig- signal processor broad comm unit in the nokia 808 this the cynic in me might be actually slightly pessimistic as saying how on earth can they Uh, duplicate that sort of signal processing in the main smartphone processor and what happens if it's just happily processing your images and Windows phone decides to throw a wobbly, (laughs) wouldn't that interfere with the camera functionality, so again I I need to be convinced, I'm prepared for Nokia to to, to, to delight me here but I need to be convinced.
1: Yeah, I mean that like you, I was a bit skeptical about this. Uh, you know, I asked some questions about it and kind of one of the things it does have in this dual shot mode that I was talking about, it is three and a half seconds from capture to capture. That's, you know, not a great performance, but of course you can switch off, you know, dual cat and just do it in pure view mode. And honestly, when I was using the A to A, a lot of the time I was just in kind of the pure view of the five megapixel mode. Um, but one has to consider that Windows Phone actually requires a lot more oomph than Symbian ever did. And so, you know, this is running on a dual-core uh, processor with two gigabytes of RAM. And it's very difficult to compare them across, and especially when you bring in something like the Broadcom chip as well. Uh, but I actually think it probably won't be an issue. Uh, and really, that's the achievement that, that Nokia has done with this. You know, last time round, you know, Symbian, because it was so relatively resource you know. it it didn't use a lot. It did need that extra image chip. But like you say, we'll have to wait and see. And I guess that's one of the things we'll be testing. But uh, in terms of, you know, does it make a difference to the processing? No, it doesn't. You can replicate everything uh, that you might do with an with that Broadcom chip just on normal silicon, it was really just about a performance thing on the 808. Um, but like you say, wait and see. And of course, we'll be reviewing this device as we will with all the others. And I think it'll be of special interest to Symbian owners because of the 808 history and so because of the upgrade potential. So keep an eye out for that. We'll make sure there's some posts on all about Symbian about that pointing across to our Windows phone coverage. Um, it'll probably cause a few screams of protest having more Windows phone
0: stuff on there, <laughs> but I think we'll just have to live with that. Yeah, now having said this was supposed to be a two-minute slot, we've now managed to stretch it to 17 minutes, Ray, Oops. but I'm not disappointed. It's oh, we, we had lots of Symbian <laughs> mentions in there in
1: 808, so I think we can get away with it, I hope. I, I Any
0: complaints, they're... please um, send them to me, and I'll try and reply to them politely. <laughs> a few items of direct Symbian relevance. Um, a ga- gallery image share update is rolling out for Bell Feature Pack 2. Hopefully you've had this by now on your Nokia 701, Nokia 808, or 700. Um, and basically it fixes problems at, at Facebook's end. The thing about the services, Rafe, I guess and this is going to, a problem that's only going to increase as time goes on with Symbian, is now less and less developers are working on the platform, certainly probably less and less people at Accenture as well. And as these the services like Flickr and Facebook and Twitter, as they change their APIs and change their certificates, and we'll come back to that topic in a moment, more and more applications are just going to very slightly start to break at Symbian's end, and certain things become defunct. Now, normally you'd say, okay, well... The rest of the world can move on. I'm happy with my Nokia 856, and I'm going to use it for the rest of time. But it doesn't actually work like that because you can't work in a bubble. You have to work talking to, and these days to all these different services. And if they change, then you've got to have the software there to change with them. So uh, do look out for this update. But I guess that's a sign of, sign of the times, Rafe.
1: Yeah, it is a sign of the times. I, I, I mean, I suspect the dedicated to news will be less fussed about this because if they were really after powerful web service integration, they'd have probably moved on to other platforms but it's certainly you know going to be disappointing if you're using that kind of functionality Um, there are a couple of workarounds you know you can often use the mobile web browser but sometimes the kind of the browser sniffing doesn't work well on that either and so you end up with either a very low rent mobile page or the kind of the full pc experience and neither of which really are optimal um you know i can only encourage developers to you know keep these things updated but I think it's one of these things we'll see more of. And, you know, we're now, I mean, I guess you could say with the 808 coming out sort of this time last year, we're a year away from the release of the last Symbian device. And probably the expectation that you'll get with any device is that, you know, two years is a a good timeline to expect good support. And beyond that, it starts to get a bit iffier, particularly when you're talking about third party services and this kind of thing, um, yeah, it's it's kind of sad, but hey, uh, I guess we need to give credit to uh, Nokia, or Accenture folks, beaming away, making sure that at least this kind of update, which is in one of the core apps after all, you know, has been fixed.
0: One other item of news: a Qoo saver, which I've also plugged in various other podcasts, including my venture checks. I'm so impressed by it, Rafe. Now we've had the normal Nokia Always On Clock comes with all the Symbian three devices. Um, and then we've also had a, over on Windows Phone, you had Nokia Glance replicating that, just the time and date. And then had Nokia Sleeping Screen, which, as you know, brings in cute graphics and other uh, fun elements, which stay on the screen all the time. We've now got Cuesaver, which takes it to another, another level. I don't know whether you saw my photo, Rafe, but it brings in, for example, the, the weather forecast. It brings you a custom message of your, your choice to the world. It, and in future versions, it's promised that you can bring in things like email notifications you're always on Symbian screen, which I think is quite clever.
1: Yeah, no, it's really impressive implementation, kind of an example of what you can do with third-party software. I actually saw this running on someone's uh, 808 when I was in New York, and immediately, uh, sort of, oh, I need to get that onto to my device. I haven't quite got it set up yet, which shows I'm probably still getting caught up. But uh, I always like this kind of active idle or you know this screensaver type technology because you know, when you pull your device out of the pocket to be able to glance at it and get information just to me feels like a natural thing to do and you can't help but compare this to the recent uh, windows phone update that nokia did for something called glance screen which is just a rebranding of the same idea and all it does is time and um, plus it will tell you if kind of the vibrate mode is on so reflecting you know whether it's going to make any noise or not you compare it to this and being able to custom messages battery level, you know, connectivity status, weather, and everything else. Yeah. And you sort of go, is it that hard to do this kind of thing and get it elsewhere? And the answer to that is, it's basically down to enablers in the Windows Phone platform. I'm sure Nokia would like to do at least some of this, uh, but they aren't able to because it's not supported by the platform. So it's kind of a good example of the the penalty that Nokia's had to accept by switching to Windows Phone. And you know, there's plenty of other advantages the other way, but we don't always talk very much about Problems the other way, and you know this is obviously a third-party developer doing this. But if a third-party developer wanted to do this on Windows Phone, well, they couldn't. Is the simple answer. Uh, it may become possible in the future as more of these API gaps are, are filled in. Um, but I, I looked at it and thought that's you know a really clever idea, and it's in essence it's really quite simple. Um, you know the, the underlying principles. Uh, I appreciate that it's not entirely straightforward to put all this information together from a developer point of view. But what also impressed me about, you know, CruiseOver is, you know, it's set up to be really easy to use. It's got the um, the cube-based UI with the kind of the nice switches. Yeah. And, you know, get this set up and looking whatever you want it looking like, you know, relatively easily. You know, and things like the color as well. It's just lots of nice touches in it. So if you are running a Symbian device with an AMOLED screen, uh, I'd certainly recommend this. Uh, as a download it maybe doesn't have quite the graphical elegance of sleeping screen and being able to put your own graphics on it but actually you can probably put more useful information on the screen using this and it's a bit more customizable as well so yeah thoroughly recommended
0: yeah and you will need also to um get a q weather board. i think each of these is only about a pound or so it really isn't a problem but get QWeather weather and also q mail which is their kind of a front-end interv- front end interface for the existing Symbian mail system, which in itself doesn't do a tremendous amount, but they're putting in the hooks, which means that if you get the next version of Qmail and the next version of QSaver, as a free update in the Nokia store. Within a month or so, we will be having, hopefully, email notifications. And maybe, who knows, I'm hoping, even maybe the first line and the subject and the sender name of your last two or three emails on the always-on screen, which you can just see all the time, which I think is really clever. So yeah. a big thumbs up here for the... Uh, team
1: i guess the only thing we should say is the more information you put on the screen the more pixels you're turning on and the, <laughs> the more power you're using and so i guess there is a trade-off i mean from an entirely personal point of view i would probably like to see uh time i could probably remember the date i actually think battery level is quite handy telling you whether you need to recharge the phone uh, and i do like having kind of the weather information accessible and then obviously. Uh, little notifications for text calls and emails i don't really need the first line of email and everything else but uh, that's the point you know it is customizable people can change you but do bear in mind there is is a battery penalty for every pixel you turn on
0: yeah indeed uh, another update um cute which we did mention in the previous podcast i said there's a big update coming that would be great benefit to uh, keyboard devices like the e7 and the e6 uh, in fact, it's taken a month to come because the developer kept adding bits and tweaking it and making it better, but it's now out. So if you go do see our story on the site, version 1.8.0 is out. It works really, really, really well on the E6 and E7. On the E6, and I know you're a big E6 fan, Ray, it means you can browse the YouTube interface and interact with it almost without using the touchscreen at all, which is actually quite clever if you think about it. It really makes everything D-pad. Uh, d-pad driven so kudos to the developer
1: yeah and kudos also to steve here because i happen to know from behind the scenes that steve is one of the ones who's encouraged the developer to get this update out the door and obviously as in case you couldn't tell steve's quite a fan of this application but (laughs) understandably so if you're you know watching videos from youtube regularly on your Symbian device well worth a download we've said it many times before but we like to support the
0: kind of third-party developers particularly indie developers like this so yeah thumbs up from me as well yeah, and Stuart Howarth, the developer, he's also a fan of my phone show. Because if you go on the Nokia store uh, entry, it shows as screenshots of his program, Qtube, watching the phone show. So it's kind of an iterative thing. Going oh, around very, very in, in a that loop.
1: Oh, that, that's good cross-promotion, Steve.
0: <laughs> also updated, um, NoteKeeper, which is a third-party client for Evernote which had been stuck in limbo for the last month because Evernote basically fixed, changed something on their certificates, their security certs, and meant that no, a NoteKeeper users couldn't log in. That has now been fixed. So if you've been hit by that, then do check the Nokia store. Do check the notekeeper log because there is information out there and a new version that does fix it and i 've been logging in quite happily again to Evernote again, Rafe you know you have to wonder how how long this can carry on how how long developers will hang in there with Symbian to keep fixing issues like this i i 'm hoping for months, maybe even a year or two, you have to kind of see there is a uh, the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel is slowly going out. Yeah, and I guess you have to decide what
1: things are, are really critical for you. And if there's something that's likely to be affected by this, you know, maybe start thinking about making plans or think about where you're going next. Uh, I think the good thing for Symbianus from that point of view is you know, they do have quite a lot of choice. Um, and there are equally going to be plenty of Symbian news out there who this probably won't have much of an impact on because they're mainly using it as a kind of a phone-centric device. Uh, I wonder how many are kind of these app heavy, service heavy, service Symbian users there, there are still out there. You know, get in touch and let us know if you think this is going to affect you. I mean, there's been other examples of this. Uh, you know, Google has recently, you know, sunsetted a whole bunch of services, um, one of which was Google. Uh, maps for Symbian a while back, I noticed that the Google Latitude service is also going to be shutting down. Yeah. I know some Symbian users use that as a way of kind of keeping in touch with where friends and family went and had the benefit of working cross-platform. And I was kind of sad to see that one go, um, but there are actually some dedicated apps if you need to do location tracking out there, which probably provide a, a, a better solution. Um, but as you say, it's a combination of things either shutting down and, you know, alternatives not developing a Symbian client or you know changes on the back end to APIs, and you know, Twitter recently went through an API change, and we can be thankful that um, the, the popular Twitter clients at least you know went through that change, and Gravity's actually supported it for quite a while. But I did notice there's a, a number of Symbian-based Twitter clients that dropped out as a result of that particular change, uh, and I'm sure that will you know happen again. We'll try and keep you updated if and when that happens, but we're partly reliant on you know using the applications ourselves and noticing when that happens. So if you have any particular feedback on that or have noticed that something stopped working or contact your developer to find if there's an update coming, do let us know and we'll let everyone else in the ecosystem know about it too.
0: Absolutely. I well, I'm now going to teach Rafe something, which is not Excellent. easy given his brain power. But um yeah you don't actually have to do it, but just, just imagine in your, your mind, Rafe, you're in gravity Uh, the Twitter client, and you're in Twitter, and somebody posts a link, beautiful sunset with a link to one of the popular image sharing sites. You tap on the the tweet, and one of the context-sensitive options is preview. So you tap on preview, and up on the gravity screen pops the uh, screen-sized version of the image, beautiful sunset. Um, Now, did you know that in this view, you don't just have to press back and go back and then go to the next tweet. You can actually swipe within that image preview, and it takes you directly the next tweet in your timeline in the same direction which contains an image in other words having gone into this image browsing mode you can use it as a social image browser so say in your timeline you've got a thousand tweets over the last 24 hours of which 15 have images you can swipe through all 15 one after the other without reading all the text up in between and i think that's really clever it's a feature i've been using gravity now ray for four and a half years and i've just found out about that so how about that Oh, well, that is impressive. Now, I can't say I've ever used it in that particular way. Um,
1: If you've got, I guess, lots of uh, people who post images on your Twitter stream, that's going to be particularly useful, although I guess you could come across some uh, nasty shocks as well for unexpected images. (laughs) Uh, But while while we're talking about gravity, um, we should say that there's an update coming, um, and Steve wrote the post on this, so I have to give him the credit for this bit of information, saying that it's going to add fever and the old reader support, and that's actually in reference to rss services given that google reader has gone away and google yeah. Reader used to be ably supported by gravity and i know there are some people who use gravity almost exclusively for that functionality it's good to hear from janelle that uh, although he's uh on a short vacation he's hoping to add support for those reader services um he's also looking at doing feedly as well which is actually the service i've personally switched to um yeah but it's using OAuth as a kind of authentication mechanism, so it may not be able to be supported by all devices. So we'll have to wait and see on that one, but we'll keep an eye on Gravity and let you know when that gets updated.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, along with myself, Yann Sir will be one of the last ones out of the <laughs> Symbian world in 2018, turning out the lights.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I think Steve and Jan uh, you know, um Yes, dedicated Symbian fans, and uh, I like to think of myself as uh, dedicated as well, but uh, I'm rather put to shame by Steve, because yes, I know, I put up my hand, and as I said, Windows Phone has become my uh, main device, and it, it is interesting, switching back to Symbian, it, it does um, it does hurt a little bit now, and the 808 has you know, provided me for a reason to continue doing so. I said so the other thing is battery life, and it's those two issues, one of which is now kind of been fixed.
0: Yeah, the, the, the two two devices, actually, from the entire Symbian pantheon, which are emerging to me in hindsight as the two really interesting smartphones that have something to offer in 2013. Obviously, the 808, until the 2020 arrives, the 808 is still by far the best camera phone in the world, and you could even argue with the 1020 on the ra- Around the 808 will still at least um, stand tall beside it. And also, I would say the E6, which, again, we've mentioned several times, because it's got that unique form factor. We've had the BlackBerry Q10, which we've mentioned a few times, and I've got a Q10 here as well. And the Q10 has got superior hardware to the E6. It's got a larger screen, a better keyboard. But it runs BlackBerry 10 and there's no option for anything else. BlackBerry 10 is not really a finished operating system. It's certainly not mature. It's certainly nowhere near as function-packed as, as Symbian. And I would argue, Rafe, that alongside the 808, the Nokia E6, even though it's got a small screen and a fairly small keyboard it still holds its head up as a, a really valid communicator device where it's certainly someone's backup device. I mean, carrying an E6 in a back pocket with a spare SIM and a couple of BP4Ls, and basically whatever happens to your main phone, you are good to go for a good week. And I think, and with the Quota keyboard, I think that makes it a valid option to have.
1: Yeah, and I think it's interesting that those two devices kind of have those unique characteristics, kind of battery life and keyboard, plus obviously great camera. And I'd agree. I'd also add another well potentially two devices but one in particular and that's the nokia 700 which was a very small kind of touchscreen device and that's all about the size for me um it fits in the pocket and really easily and you hardly notice that you're carrying it and given that a lot of the other you know smartphones you know today's smartphones are bigger i think there's you know a place for something like that you could make the same argument about maybe something like the E52, which is actually kind of one of the last of the traditional form factor phones, you know, non type screen, you know, 12 keys and all that kind of thing. I think actually there's probably some better replacements from that in Nokia's Asha lineup. But looking at those devices, I, I can see it being a perfectly justified reason someone's saying, actually, those particular elements are important to me, so I'll keep on using them. Even if you're, you know, relatively up-to-date as a smartphone user and like having current stuff, you know, make a Google argument. Other than that, it's going to be people who are, you know, bought a phone and maybe waiting for their two year contract to come up or aren't that bothered by it. I mean, I still see a lot of, uh, you know, Symbian devices out in the wild and, you know, N95s. More often it tends to be the more up to date touchscreen devices, but people are, you know, quite happily tapping away on them. Um, and it's this, I, you know, on this podcast, we talk about switching phones regularly. And I suspect lots of our listeners, uh, you know, switch phones may be, once a year or perhaps even more frequently but you know a lot of people two years is the absolute minimum because you know they'll only get it when they get a new contract and for others they'll keep it a lot longer and i had a very nice email from someone who's saying um, i'm still using the n95 why didn't you cover that so much and, and sadly <laughs> that, that's really about there's not a lot to say um that we haven't said in the past and also it's a probably a more niche interest but uh Equally well, there's lots of people who aren't even aware they're using Symbian, you know, got one of the cheaper devices, maybe something like the 5230 or some of those other, you know, 5-series uh, devices. Uh, you know, so Symbian remains alive in, in that respect. But uh, I think you're right, identifying the 808, the E6, and maybe the 700 as kind of the three devices that will will see a bit more around in the hands of, you know, geeks for you know, justifiable reasons. Yeah, and maybe the N8 as well. <laughs> people who couldn't yes.
0: never made it, the 808. Um, I think you're the, the, yeah, right about the
1: N8 because the uh, 808 was a bit of a niche device. And the, there's, you know, the N8 is actually still an incredibly good camera device. Um, it's only now that some of the devices coming onto the market are kind of getting close to and it still remains superior in many ways. And I really like that metal design. Um, and I know we've got a lot of people listening to this who continue to use the N8. I have to say, I would say to them now start thinking about an upgrade because some of the things you do get with a modern smartphone do start putting the n8 to shame um it's sadly inevitable um and i don't think sugarcoat it too much i mean i have to admit when i was talking to people in new york and said oh yeah i know the symbian stuff's still going well there's still lots of people visiting the site which of course there are and listening to this podcast um, they sort of were a little bit surprised. It wasn't as dead as a dodo, um,
0: but that kind of probably says
1: more about the tech media than anything else.
0: <laughs> Just mentioning the N95 there by sheer coincidence, Rafe, I happened to have acquired or reacquired the Nokia N95 8 gig, the Black Monster that we all absolutely fell over head, head over heels in love with about four or five years ago. And uh, having I sold mine, really regretted it. And that is, as you say, is a classic device. Yes. Um, you maybe can't do quite as much on it in 2013 as you might like to with a modern device. But I think there's room, for me to do one more pimping article from the grave and do pimping the N95 8GB in 2013.
1: What do you think? maybe. I think you're probably pushing the boundaries a little bit too much there. I mean, it's (laughs) interesting. The thing about all of these devices, you know, we we talk rather laughingly about the older ones, but actually we should probably be a bit more respectful because the big thing is if you haven't, had the opportunity to use a new device for any length of time often you don't know any better and i don't mean that in a mean way it's you know you're perfectly happy with it it does everything you want it to do it's only when you then upgrade to a device you suddenly go yeah actually i would have kind of liked to have this last year when i was on my old device and i have to admit a lot of that in my use of Windows Phone, feels like that for Symbian. You know, I still think oh, there's some stuff about Symbian I'd like to have on this Windows Phone device, but I'm not prepared to give up. Uh, and for me, it's actually often about the keyboard and the email and the web browsing. And I think that's probably going to be a common experience to a, a lot of people. Yet there are definitely elements that you sort of go, uh, battery life, you know, being able to fiddle with particular things, certain settings. Uh, it can be around voice over IP, for example, or we mentioned sleeping screen earlier in this podcast. Unfortunately, they're just not enough of a priority for me to prioritise them over those kind of elements I mentioned just then. Uh, and I guess it's web is one of the big ones because I do do a lot of browsing now on my smartphone, um, and it's you know, it's just not as fast and as effective yeah. on even on something like the eight hundred eight, which has. You know, it's not really about the browser because that's pretty good. It's about the speed of. Uh, throughput and then being able to uh, see more on the lower resolution uh, screen as well that's a uh, kind of an issue yeah
0: yeah okay one final item i want to, I want to teach rave something else now you may actually already know this but i'm going to remind you in that case because you may be at rusty <laughs> um this is a I an article on the site called there's a shortcut for that which is a follow-up to my there's a bookmark for that from a couple of years ago which was quite popular basically the idea that more and more services are coming out now without a dedicated app for Symbian. Obviously, Symbian is not considered an active platform so that the services don't write a first-party app for Symbian. But usually, they have a really excellent mobile website. I mean, mobile websites have come on hugely in the last couple of years. And did you know, Rafe, if you go bring up a site in, in Symbian Web, and you, you know, for example, Google+, If you long press on a blank area of the page, and this is the only place in the entire UI you can find this function, which is why it's a travesty that I I actually forgot about it and had to be reminded. Um, If you long press on a blank area of the page, you get install as application. You tap on that, and hey, presto, that mobile site gets an... So, like its own mini app created with its own icon and appears in your main app menu, which means you can also then put it as a shortcut by a, an application icon on your home screen. So as I demonstrated in the article, you can have a, a home screen covered in things like, you know, rail inquiries and uh, Google plus all the things you haven't got applications for can still be icons in your app menu and on your home screen. If you know that one trick. So, uh, did you know that? And, uh, you've used it.
1: I, I did know this. And actually this one I use quite regularly because, uh, I found myself using less third-party Symbian apps, and it's partly because I've done you know, a reset on a device or updating them. I, you know, Working through it, reinstalling all the apps, it's a bit of a pain. There are some, of course, that still go on there. But uh, a lot of the time, that either aren't apps or they're not particularly brilliant. And actually, the web version, having complained about the Symbian browser, if you're using a mobile site, you know, it works fantastically well because it's... I guess, low enough resources or it's loading quick enough for you to not notice the difference. And so for things like the BBC Weather website, but also Rail Inquiry, something that it, it quite a common thing to do on your device when you're out and about, this works really well. But um I will have to try out the, the tip that you've got on here about going to the App AppMe page, which lets yeah. you kind of customise the icons, because that does make, it, it lets you make things look a little bit more attractive. But uh, I have used this installer's application on a fairly regular basis. On the device since it became uh-huh. available.
0: Well done, well done. Uh, I guess one final bit of news is that I have found finally the perfect device for myself. It does absolutely everything. It's got the Xenon flash and the replaceable battery and the great screen and the future-proof OS, Rafe. There's only one slight snag. It's 30 centimetres... Sorry, three 30. 30, it's, 30, th- thirty. It's it's three <laughs> centimeters thick, thirty millimeters, which is it's three times thicker than the Lumia ten twenty. And you can probably guess by now, I'm talking about the Galaxy S four Zoom, which I put up against the eight to eight in a feature. So I, I guess it. We've said all along. It, Devices are compromises. If you build a device that has got everything, then it, by its very nature, it's going to be niche and rather over large And if you want to get devices down to, the, to be accepted by the mainstream, then you're going to have to cut down on features. But it's still a fascinating device, and I've uh, I've bought myself one for the summer rave, so I can do all the tests with the eight to eight and the ten twenty, and uh, go from there.
1: Yeah, and there's already quite a few things on the All About Symbian website comparing the S4 Zoom to the. 808 and the thing i i can't quite understand i mean steve refers to it as a phone i know on your phone show chat recently you kind of define this as <laughs> something that you take with you all the time um i would kind of add a caveat to that is something that normal people take with them all the time <laughs> because you steve you might be quite happy to carry the s4 zoom about but uh the eight was a bit of a push but this s4 zoom being even bigger than that you know uh, I can't really call it a phone. It becomes a connected camera. It's tricky. Of course, everyone's different. um, And I think you rightly identify this one as being a a specialist device. I also, I can't help feeling it's a bit lazy on the part of Samsung. They have basically taken a, what's effectively a kind of point and shoot camera and grafted it to Android device. I actually preferred what they did with the Galaxy camera. I thought that was an interesting idea, kind of adding smarts to a point and shoot camera by putting android on it but this feels like throwing something a wall and see what what sticks and the 808 approach i think you know putting proper you know real innovation into the imaging engineering is a much more elegant approach and i'll be the first to say that there are you know compromises with doing zoom by using a big sensor and kind of cropping in versus using an optical zoom but at the end of the day it's just too big a compromise for me
0: yeah, and it's, it's very noticeable, actually. I mean, I've been carrying this around with me, and I'm I'm the sort of guy who likes carrying the smartphone on the hip in a, in a pouch case, which means that a chunky device isn't necessarily a showstopper. I can see if someone wouldn't be able to fit this in a pocket, for example, but it's very noticeable going back to the A28, and I've been carrying both around with me. The a eight's styling, and the a eight just appears positively svelte and sleek and <laughs> lean and curved, and people have been saying for ages the a eight is too bulky and too heavy and too large. And they should try using an S4 Zoom. Yeah, no, that's exactly right.
1: And I think that, um, you know, it says it all, it's what you're willing to put up with. And the fact that the 808 was derived as being a bit of a brick, um, I think it is unfair given you know, what it had in it. But of course, that's not really the point. It's what people perceive it to be and, and what it is. And that's why the 1020, when it is sort of quite noticeably thinner and lighter than the 808 and looking far more like a traditional smartphone, you know, will probably more accepted in the mass market. And it's why the operators will range it and why AT&T are going to give it, a really big push but um for everyone who buys a 1020 they need reminding that that technology started on symbian with the 808 Uh, Mm -hmm. and meanwhile steve's going to be playing with his s4 zoom Uh, what disappointed me about the s4 zoom was not so much you know the the size because that's an inevitable fact of doing that particular approach i thought they were rather mean with the size of the sensor they included if you're going to make a device that big at least put in a you know big physical sensor in a bigger camera module because you've got the space to do so but it's relatively weedy in that respect and so it kind of disappoints me because of that and so it's kind of a, a subpar point and shoot camera together with a, a pretty subpar android device but um i know because of your particular you know likings it's probably the device that matches you quite well steve <laughs>
0: All of, the, all of these devices match me quite well <laughs> on, on, on that sensor point of view. I mean, the thing is that most standalone cameras made by Samsung, whoever, for about £80, £100, £120, they've all got this um, fairly small sensor, 1 over 2.3 or similar. And it's just so unusual. We have the eight with this enormous sensor in a phone that's kind of spoiled us. And anything with a smaller sensor, we I mean, think, well, that, that's ditchy. Um, it's very noticeable, actually. We talked about the eight size, and we'll finish with this because we're running long. Everyone I've handled the 808, handed 808 to in the last year or so, most of them have never seen an 808 in their lives, obviously. Uh, they pick it up and think, wow, it's, it's really quite slim, and it's, no, it's, not, it's not as big as I thought it would be, and that you can hardly notice the camera bulge. They've been so conditioned by the tech media saying that it's a monstrosity and a brick and a huge bulge, when they actually pick up the 808 and they hold it in the hand, they think, wow, I can hold it really well. It's not too big. It's not too heavy. And goodness, isn't that screen clear? So uh, I, I just wish the 808s a a had more of a push from Nokia yeah. behind it. I think it could have done so much better. Uh, and on that
1: subject, I, I would agree. You, you, you pick up the eight, and I think it does feel like a smartphone from a few years ago when they were a bit thicker and they were a bit bulkier. There's no getting away from that. And I guess that's much like Symbian in general. But you can't help but think a bit of a, a what-if game. You know, if it had been out a year earlier, it had been out when Symbian was in its prime or Symbian had had a bit more in the way of legs and sort of gone on a bit longer, just how well that device would have would have done. You look at the excitement around the 1020, um, which you know, I, I've been in a kind of a bubble of events, so I have to step back a bit. But there's definitely excitement around this device. You know, you look online at some of the comments in the forums and on the news posts, you know, the media reaction to it. And you think mm, that could have been the 808 if, you know, history had gone a little bit differently. Uh, and so, you know, even when I am using a 1020, I'm going to be raising a metaphorical glass to Symbian and saying,
0: yep, it could have been you. <laughs> and so say all of us. Uh, what a great note to finish the podcast on, Rafe. I guess we'll we'll see people, but about a month's time. It is the holiday, right. holiday season. So I think we'll leave it a month and have another All About Symbian insight. Yeah.
1: Well, hopefully by the time we have the next podcast, Steve will... Um, be able to tell us a bit more about the S4 Zoom and maybe the 1020. I'm sure there'll be more updates and Symbian apps to talk about. And we're trying to stay a little bit more Symbian-focused. But we have had some email from you saying we like you, you like the chatty style and you don't mind us drifting off topic. And I think we're probably going to have to do more of that, Steve, in future podcasts. But uh, if we've got the audience permission, and um, you can uh, say that that's exactly the wrong thing, if you want, in feedback. You can email me at Rafe at allaboutsymbian. Steve, what's the best way to get hold of you if they want to send feedback
0: direct to the Symbian champion? <laughs> probably best to tweet me and um, at steve litchville is the easiest way without any punctuation
1: there we go thanks for listening everybody and we'll see you in about a month's time bye for now